It's the Beer Ambassador. I'm here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock talking about the world of craft beer. And uh, we've been on for four and a half years talking about craft beer across the country, across the world. And um, I want to say thank you for tuning in. Before I get into anything else and announce our guest today, which I'm really excited about, uh, I want to tell you guys that uh, this weekend, uh, Last Name Brewing in Upland, California, is having the, they just had their 16th anniversary this last weekend, uh, and with Pomona Queens, one of their great beers, and they're going to have the, the Brews and Bros event, which is going on this Saturday. Tickets are still available. Go to their website, look up Brews and Bros event, or just Last Name Brewing, and you can check that out. I also want to tell you guys, before I get into our guest, that this last weekend, not only did I judge for the, you, I've been judging for like over 10 years, uh, beer competitions. And I, I love doing that. I, I'm pretty good at what I do. But, but, and I also love spirits, as you know, if you listen to the show, but I really like Bloody Marys at a time. So I actually got to judge at the second annual, uh, Drunken Tomato Bloody Mary Awards on Saturday. And then I, uh, uh I got to go to El Segundo's Slice and Pint which is new in, in El Segundo, around the corner from the brewery, and there's pizza. They'll be opening up sometime during this week or by the weekend. And I just tell you, you got to go. It's phenomenal food, really good beer. And, of course, Gamecraft had their little thing for uh, friends and family, and I got to go enjoy that, and they're always good in Laguna Hills. So without any further ado, though, uh, I have uh, the pleasure of bringing on some some people who are not local. They're across the country in the Midwest, but uh, we connected on Instagram. I love what beer does and it brings people together. Um, but beyond, I love uh, how it can, you know, Instagram and, and, and beer can just go across the miles. So um, we'll get into the story, but basically through Instagram, uh, I, was, I commented on uh, some stuff that's going on with Back Channel Brewing Company out of uh, Spring Park, Minnesota. And so today, I have the honor of having Josh Letty, one of the owners, and Mark, uh, I hope I'm saying the name, Macarim, uh, the brewer, on air. Are you guys there? Oh, yeah. We're here. You were close on it. Cool. <laughs> I want to say thank you for coming on the air, man. Valiant effort. What, what's the effort? Oh, I said a valiant effort, that was. <laughs> yes. So um, let, me, let, me, let me ask uh, Josh first, since, since you're one of the owners, Josh. Um, how uh, did you get into brewing? And, and come tell me, dude, were you a home brewer or you just had a dream about beer? How, how did you get into brewing and, and open up Back Channel? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, uh, beer became a passion for me right when Minnesota was really kind of getting its feet wet and getting into kind of a, a, a little mini brewery boom, and that was around 2010, 2011. And I uh, just started, you know, chasing beer, going to local breweries. And then uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, uh, Melissa, who's one of, uh, one of the owners with me here, we would travel around to different parts of the country, you know, the West Coast, Colorado, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, parts around the East Coast, and we would more or less coordinate our trips around visiting different breweries. And uh, it really just became a passion for me and for the both of us. And uh, I was involved with, I have a seasonal business in the summertime, and then I was involved with hockey in the wintertime, and uh, hockey was great, and I knew that was going to be a part of me for a while, but I wanted to look for something a little bit more, uh, just, I don't know, just something new, uh, something that could be potentially a little bit more, uh, lucrative to spend my time, and, you know, beer became a true passion, and I thought that this was the best way to spend my spare time was researching beer, drinking beer, brewing beer, talking about beer, all of that. It it uh, it just really reinvigorated something in me um, to the point where, you know, when I was growing up as a kid playing hockey, I was so passionate about hockey, and, you know, now beer essentially filled that void um, when I'm no longer in a position to, to be doing that anymore. So uh, I did become a home brewer, and throughout that process, I would always reach out to sources, whether they be professional or not, um, reach out to them and just kind of pick their brain and uh, dreamed of one day opening up a bar or something like that that had, had good quality craft beer and, you know, 
brewing or opening of a brewery was kind of far down the road, but I was fortunate enough to have a good friend of mine uh, in Mark, uh, who that I'd known since kindergarten, and he was just crushing it on the home brew scene. And while uh, we were going through this process of trying to build a brewery between myself and one of my good friends, um, Matt Ole Olson at the time, uh, I'd always reach out to Mark and the advice that he would give us and the beer that he was home brewing was honestly better than some of the stuff that I was getting from professional brewers. And, uh, you know, I just kind of went with my gut and my taste buds. <laughs> and I said that, you know, Mark is the guy that we got to keep working with if we're going to actually make this happen. So as we continued to brew and home brew and hang out, um, I just kind of one day, I think it was the, it was Super Bowl Sunday, like a few years ago. We were doing a double batch for this, uh, this brew fest that we were going to be at, and I was like, well, Mark, you just need to stop what you're doing, or not stop what you're doing, but you should stop homebrewing and professional brew for us and become our head brewer. And really, that's kind of where it came, came into place. And then from that point on, um, you know, we were operating as a, as a unit to try to bring this dream together. And, you know, to be able to do it with uh, such good friends um, has been, you know, just part of probably the most memorable aspect of this whole thing. And, you know, now we're here talking to you. You're in California. We're up here in Minnesota. And, you know, what, what grew out as a, as, a gar- as, a, as a brewage, a brewery in a garage. Is now <laughs> I like that, that, a brewage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We rocked the brewage for quite some time, um, setting the stage for us and, you know, getting our our home brews out in front of people so that we could create that initial buzz. And, you know, it really was truly a grassroots effort for us in that sense because, you know, we were working our asses off. I'm sorry. We were working our butts off. <laughs> no, we're on radio. Yeah. We were working our butts off. Your, your donkeys were working hard. It. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> we were working our butts off to just make it happen. And, you know, we're still working our butts off. By no means do we feel complacent with where we're at. I think that we're just... You know, this is the tip of the iceberg, and, and we're very passionate people with what we do, and that's just kind of where we're at now. That's cool. So let me let me jump to Mark then, since uh, that was great, Mark uh, or Josh. But let me ask you, Mark, how did you get involved in home brewing? Because we we I was going to ask you how you got into professional brewing, but obviously, uh, you know, that was just answered right now with Josh. So it was a great explanation, but how did you get involved in homebrewing? Because obviously he was talking about you were into it before and you were doing really good when, when he asked you, hey, let's you know make some things happen. Yeah, for sure. So I actually hated beer when I got into homebrewing. Uh, wow. Got, That's interesting. I was a drinker. Yeah, right? Oh, okay. So, that makes, so you, you didn't like commercial beer, and that's what you thought beer was. Exactly. And Okay. Uh, I had a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, that he got a beer kit from his fiance at the time, and he would not stop talking about how great it was, and all of a sudden there was this beer that was produced a couple weeks later, and he, he tried it again, and he just kept telling me about the process, and the process sounded really, really neat. And it got to the point in my head where I was like, wait a second, I can create something that I want to taste? And... So I made a deal with them, and I said, hey, can we brew on your system, which was a pot on a stovetop at the time. We were doing an extract kit. And I pitched him the idea that if we could brew a five-gallon batch of beer, that he could keep all the bottles besides eight. And at that point, uh, we struck a, a nice deal together, and we brewed a batch of beer. And that first moment that I cracked open the bottle, it was a Kolsch. And when I cracked open that first bottle and tasted something that was clean and it actually somehow miraculously worked out really, really well, um, I was just hooked. And it was like, let's do another kit. And all of a sudden that turned into six years of brewing and doing 60 batches a year and scaling up my system at home to a single-tier system. And uh, I think really what catapulted me into the next echelon of home brewing was doing exactly what you just mentioned at the beginning of the show, and that's judging. Um, Minnesota has a really big, uh, we have, I think, the second biggest state fair on the side of the Mississippi, uh, second yeah. to Texas, and yeah. we have a very, very large home brewing contest for only Minnesota beers, and we also have 
a great homebrewing community uh, that has some of the best judges in the world in it. And I entered this contest with a few beers that I had left over from my wedding. I brewed for my wife and I's wedding, and I had a few beers left over, and I entered it into the state fair, and I got a blue ribbon for my porter. And I started entering more contests, and there was a moment where I said, I don't understand how they're perceiving the flavors they are. I want to understand that. And so in this community here, there's beer judging classes, and I ended up going to a 12-week beer judging class and took my exam, and that's really where things started to kick off is understanding beer in a deeper level than, than putting ingredients together and understanding where potential flaws are and, and how I can improve my process. That's awesome. I really like hearing that kind of backstory and how things come together. So then, uh, you know, Mark, you and Josh, or Josh approached you and said, hey, stop, stop being a, a home brewer when you come be a professional brewer. Is that scary? Oh, yes. <laughs> In a single word, yes. Good. Um, yes. Leading, leading up to opening the brewery, I had – so we ended up opening in September um, – of 2017, and pretty much the whole summer of 2017, I basically would not sleep because I, I would I'd go to bed for a couple hours and I'd wake up and I'd think about something like, well, how am I how am I going to scale my dark grains or how am I going to do a certain process that I do in my homebrew world? Because all I knew was homebrew and I I knew the equipment that I was getting, but I didn't know how I was going to move such massive volumes, and and. Another, and importantly, how I was going to be safe doing it and how I was going to keep people around me safe. And, and there's a lot of thought that went into it and a lot of research that went into it. And actually, just Hello? to bring a, bring a okay. comment along, I would say that one of the biggest resources that I found is a website called ProBrewer, that's ProBrewer.com, and they, sure. they have forums that have a lot of, amazing, amazing resources out there and just people willing to answer questions for uh, people that have curiosities that are in the commercial world. And I got, I mean, I spent a lot of hours on that, on that forum for, for many, many months straight. Wow, that's cool. So I, I love, what I love about brewing I love that beer brings people together, and it's been doing it for thousands of years, and it's still doing it. Uh, I love, it, you know, I'm just, I've am just i been talking about it for weeks, but I love how we had a huge fire here in California, and Sierra Nevada basically housed the people and fed them and decided to make a beer and then put the call out. I call it the beer signal, but, you know, the bat signal, the beer signal. And, uh, and all these breweries, you know, over 1,500 answered the call and made, made uh, this beer, and, and 100% of the proceeds are going to those who were affected by the fire, which was 153,000 acres burned and over, uh, over 14,000 homes and 85 people passed away, the rest of told. But it brought the community together, and, and it's still happening, and I, I think they're going to raise over $15 million. But, but beyond that, the everyday thing is, is, is I can make a friend for 10 or 15 minutes or a couple hours, or maybe it's a few weeks or maybe it's for life, uh, that I've met at a brewery and over beers. And um, I've only been in Minnesota once, but you guys are pretty friendly up there, and uh, especially when it's cold. <laughs> I don't know if there's right. snow going on cold right now. But I'm Thank saying, you, uh, you know, uh, I live in Vail, Colorado for a little bit. You definitely are looking to, to – uh, uh, whether people believe this or not, you know, these helps keep you warm. So, uh, but it brings people together, and I love the community. So, this brought you and and uh, Mark and and Josh. It brought you guys together to start this adventure, which is another thing that I like about this whole thing is that uh, independent craft brewers are entrepreneurs. They're small business people. They're family, and. Uh, so I like Josh. I'd like you to talk about this a little bit because obviously you and Melissa, your wife, uh, uh, are co-owners and have done this, and this is a family business. So, and I'm sure that's as, as, as much scary for you, but it's also like exhilarating. You're doing what you really have a passion for. 
<clears throat> yeah, I mean, um, we are living a dream come true. And, you know, yes, uh, Melissa is a co-owner with me, but we would not be nearly even close to where we're at without our other two partners, um, Matt Olson, Kam Oli, and Joe Meehan. Okay. Uh, so it's essentially the four of us along with Mark. Okay. And we joke, we call ourselves the five-legged table because uh, with the five of us, we are sturdy. We are as sturdy as you're going to get. And uh, that was just more or less. I love that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I you know, can't say I know everybody. Out really well. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, it was an accidental description that kind of really describes us really well. Because, uh, you know, yeah, you can be sturdy with four legs, but with the five of us, I mean, you can throw a lot of weight on there and we're still going to be able to get, uh, take care of everything. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to have never really worked for anyone and myself. My dad was an entrepreneur, um, so I naturally stepped into that world once, I, you know, just naturally. Didn't even know it, and I'm just kind of an entrepreneur doing my own thing, and that's just kind of all, all I had known. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have some people that were close, uh, close to me, being Melissa and Matt and Joe, want to get on board with this. Um, we, it, it, it did take a lot of convincing to talk about how the risk that we're going to take, but, you know, I had been operating a small business called Life's a Beach Shoreline Services for 10 years at the time, and it's a small business doing lake weed removal out here on Lake Minnetonka, um, and I was able to turn a lake weed removal business into something that was able to make ourselves comfortable enough to be able to take that chance and dive into a brewery. Um, and being that we're a That's small cool. business in this area that also allowed us to really kind of get in front of other people within our community and get them behind us. So now we're not just these people that are coming in and taking advantage of uh, the craft beer scene. You know, we're, we're hardcore locals um, that are trying to enhance our neighborhood by bringing great beer to our neighborhood and setting a standard for not only ourselves, but uh, for, you know, the, the Minnesota craft beer community and the, and the U.S. craft beer community. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned all that, uh, especially that you mentioned Ollie or Matt Olson. He goes by Ollie, yep. right? Uh, I just, yeah. while you're talking about that, I looked up, I, I decided to look up your website. So now I see it and understand it because I only have the two of you on it and it's hard enough, the two, we couldn't get five people on the air, but, um, I guess I could pass around the phone, but you guys got to make sure you're speaking in the phone right while. But, um, uh, that could be a future show, but it, how did, how did you really, so obviously you're, you know, it's good that your wife was on board, right? Um, and that can be a difficult thing in itself, but she was on board, and I see that uh, you can talk about this later, but that you guys did 50 breweries on a 14-day trip from Seattle to San Diego. So I, I need to understand that, first of all. But um, how did you approach your other buddies, Joe and Ollie, to say, hey, let's, 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 uh, let's grab Mark and, and make this five-legged, you know, yeah, for, for uh, sure. stool for or sure. chair work? So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's call it four years ago. Um, getting done with a season of uh, life to beach and, you know, have a lot of time in the winter or in the, in the fall and winter to, to do some things. So my wife, Melissa and I, well, girlfriend at the time, Melissa, we planned a trip. We're like, you know, let's uh, fly into Seattle and drive down to San Diego. It'll be scenic. It'll be just amazing. We can connect with old friends. We can hit up all these breweries and potentially just get inspiration for our dream down the road, right? So we fly into Seattle, and uh, first brewery we hit is Fremont, and I mean that set the stage. That set the standard pretty high <laughs> to be able to just yeah, be number one in the 50s Fremont out in Seattle. Um, yeah. they were super nice. Good beer. They they hit it home on the, the quality aspect, the, the customer service aspect of it, and just the whole atmosphere aspect of it. And you know that just kind of got us on our way. So we. Did the trip, hit 50 breweries in 14 days. Honestly, it was after going to, I walked out at a South Park brewery in San Diego, and I walked out of South Park after talking to, um, I, 
who I believe is a head brewer. And I walked out and I just said to myself, you know what, I'm going to just grow a beard until I can brew a beer because that's going to be a testament to the amount of patience required to, to do that. So <laughs> after that, we got home from San Diego. Uh, first person I called was Oli, and I was like, hey, we're going to open it. We're going to try to, we're going to try to brew a brewery. We're going to try to make a brewery happen. Uh, will you, do you want in? And he didn't hesitate. He was in. Uh, Oli was, uh, he's a, he's a school teacher. So he had his summers off and he was able to work with me at Lights the Beach in the summertime because he had those times off, obviously. And we developed, you know, a really good rapport with each other and were able to accomplish a lot. So I knew that if we were going to get into a situation where there's going to be a lot of work to be done, I might as well get Oli involved because we could just churn and burn and make a lot of things happen. And shortly after cool. that, we converted uh, our garage into a brewage. So we got it insulated. We got it heated. Uh, we bought all the necessary equipment to get ourselves started. And then at that point, we actually reached out to Mark because before we started brewing, I mean, we wanted to go through a brew with him and get kind of the basics all down. Um, direct from somebody that's making quality beer as opposed to just winging it, right? We wanted to not necessarily fast track it, but we knew that there were avenues that you could take that would be better than others, so we wanted to explore those avenues. Uh, so once we started brewing, we converted the, the brewage out, and it was looking really cool. That's where Joe came in, and Joe is actually a general contractor who had built out um, a few other local breweries. So not only does he know how to build things but he knows that how to build breweries, and when he saw what we were doing, he's like, "I would, I want in. Do you guys want to, you know, another partner in this?" So all of a sudden, then we had Joe. We had the four people, and you know, when it's two people working hard, you know, you're you're, you're able to you're able to you know navigate through some troubles. Um, but when you have four people working with each other, you're able to just more or less dominate and keep everything out in front of you and feel much more confident about um, your role and how to execute that role because you're getting the assurance of your, of your close friends and you're, and you're able to just move forward with it. So, you know, when we had the four of us and then shortly after that is when, you know, we asked Mark to, to be our head brewer, that's when, you know, things really started to roll and we were all able to focus on our strengths and kind of combine those strengths to be able to make this happen. And, you know, from the time that all five of us were really on board, you know, we had a brewery up and running uh, in less than uh, like 18 months, which is really cool. Yeah, that that's pretty quick. Um, I know, well, I mean, some maybe that's average, but I know some people are longer. And, I mean, out here, honestly, modern times have been trying to open up in Orange County for about two and a half, three years. But uh, I've heard of some being like nine months to a year, but I would say the average is probably close to a year and a half, but that's, that's really good. So are you guys, are you, I know you're close to the lake, you're talking about that, but tell me, uh, you guys can decide who wants to answer this question, whether it's Josh or Mark. Uh, how did you pick your location and the name? So I had been, obviously, I, I, I live a mile down the road. My wife grew up in this area. She obviously lives with me, so we're both in the area. And <laughs> we knew that we were, we're in the west side of the lake. This is a very big lake. And the west side of the lake has not really seen much new development uh, like the east side of the lake has. Uh, and, I mean, to kind of put that into perspective, the I forget the exact words, but the amount of income in our little city is right up there with Malibu. So we're a tiny city of about 7,000 people, but with the amount of Lakeshore, you have super high-class people and then down to, you know, uh, a lower-class, blue-collar folks. We kind of cover the whole spectrum out here. So it was really sure. tough for somebody to bring in a business that is going to succeed on all fronts. So with us yeah. being hyper-local, young people wanting to live in our area, we knew that this is where we wanted to be. We knew that we were going to be able to come in here with that kind of that tenacity to really make this work. And so that's why we chose this location. There were a few other buildings that we wanted to look at, but, I mean, this thing just popped up. It was right on the lake, uh, so there's potential for lake access. And our neighbor at the time was their commercial 
a retired commercial architect who knew the realtor. So he, he knew what we were trying to do because obviously we were doing the whole brewage thing. And he just reached out to the realtor for us and got the ball rolling on communication. And then honestly, we were, we were in a, we're in a tiny building, 3,314 square feet. Initially, we wanted to use one third of this building and open up like a one barrel brew, a one barrel uh, brewery. But then, as wow, we that's, realized, that's a lot of work. For, yeah, 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 definitely. But then, as we realized the potential for this location, um, enhancing this area, getting boat access, um, you know, the five of us really working together, we realized that we wanted something much more. Um, and then, yeah, the fact that we're on the water. Uh, we're across the street from the most heavily used bike path in the state. The lake is the most recreationally used lake in the state. Uh, it just made sense for us to choose this location. And then, uh, you know, I mean, you can, we're one of the only breweries, obviously, in the, we're probably one of the only breweries in the whole entire country where you could actually boat up to our brewery. You can boat up here, you could paddleboard up here, get a beer, and go back onto the lake. So that is ultimately why we really wanted to choose this location. It was a battle to be able to get those ordinances changed for us to be able to have access by boat and whatnot, but it was totally worth it. And now it's a game changer for us. Um, I mean, we're in the middle of winter. Yeah, you can't boat, but we've got snowmobiles, four-wheelers, uh, snowshoers, ice fishermen out here, ice skating. I mean, it's, it's a true winter wonderland, even when it's, when it's pretty cold. So we were able to not only utilize our surroundings from a visual standpoint, but from a recreational standpoint as well. So it's pretty cool. I, you know, dude, I mean, just the way you're describing it, the fact that you're on a lake and whether it's winter or, or spring, summer, fall, or whatever, that, you, that, that there's something outdoors that I can do, an activity. You guys are right there. I'm sure it looks epic. It's got to be beautiful. I'm going to have to go check out some pictures you got, but that's really cool. Cause I was going to ask if you were on the lake, but you already answered that. Um, but that, that is stellar to me. And does that come up part of how you guys came up with a logo? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, you want to touch on it or do you want me to dive in? I tell, I, I give this spiel quite all the time. I, I hate to take all the words because Mark is a wordsmith himself, but uh, our symbol is the, the triangle symbol is a directional symbol on a compass. So whenever you're going, Whatever direction you're going, north, south, east, or west, that little arrow is guiding you and pointing to that direction. So being that you could get here by bike, by foot, by boat, by many different ways, we wanted to be navigational in that sense. And then uh, the, the squiggly lines are essentially um, uh, like water topography lines. So they're depth lines, yeah. and they're depth lines that are actually taken from Lake Minnetonka. And being that we're on water, uh, you know, many breweries use Wheat or hops is a part of their logo. We wanted to showcase the water aspect of it because beer is mainly made of water. So why not showcase the main ingredient of beer? I love that. That's really cool. Well, let, let, since you're saying you want Mark to be in, Mark, tell me a little bit about, uh, for the people out here who don't know, especially I have a lot of people in California who are listening, even though they're listening across the country and sometimes across the world. Um, tell me about how you guys came up a little bit about the name back channel. Uh, yeah, you guys absolutely. were telling me a little bit before when we, when we did our live. So anyone who's listening, uh, we did a live Instagram. That's going to be up for 24 hours. I'll try and put it up after that. Uh, I don't know if it'll be in the next day, but it'll be up before, but uh, we did a, an actual Instagram live feed. So you can check that out. So they did mention this, but go ahead, Mark, tell me about that. Absolutely. So talked a lot about the lake, uh, the lake that we're on has, like 100 miles of shoreline and it's inland. Um, we are on one of the heaviest traveled channels on the lake. Uh, so back channel, because we are on a channel, makes sense and it's fitting. But back channeling is also a secondary way to pass information, a secretive way to pass information. And with back channeling, we do a lot of back channel. We do a lot of back channeling with what we do in the brewery and with our customers and uh, we keep it fun and exciting. So with the beer names, uh, we have a lot of customers that come in. They don't even realize our beer names mean anything. But at the end of the day, what they do mean is they all relate back to something, uh, somebody famous or something important uh, pertaining to Minnesota. So I'll give you one name. I know that earlier we said we don't give out names, but I'll give you an easy one here. 
Um, one of our classic beers, we're on a lake, and you can boat up. we got to have a lager. And so we don't have many flagships, but it is a tried-and-true beer that people love and they come in to get, our Lake Maker Lager, the standard American lager. Um, it is named the Lake Maker. And the reason it's called the Lake Maker is it's named after Paul Bunyan because Paul Bunyan is a Minnesotan guy, and he is known for making the lakes with his footprints. So... That's our oh, I didn't know that part of history or that, that kind of story. That's cool because I always liked Paul Bunyan growing up. When, when, I first, when I first joined this crew, one of the first things that Josh did was he, he brought up this notebook, and he opens this notebook, and he has like four pages filled with names and stuff from Minnesota. And so whenever we need a name, we just flip open the notebook and we start looking, and, and we try to find one that fits the beer, and we try to – we always try to make it at least one step removed uh, from what the actual from what the actual thing is from Minnesota. So it takes a little guesswork sometimes. We put hints in our beer descriptions as well, but it's it's actually one of the funnest pieces of making a beer here is that sometimes we get stuck for four days trying to figure out the name of the beer. <laughs> you know, I did that with my daughter. It took me three days to name her. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, so I kind of get that. But you want it, you want it to be, you want it to be fitting. You, you like, you got to look at it, you got to taste it. Well, the beer, I didn't taste my daughter, but you get what I'm saying. You, you got to look at it, you got to kind of just get the feel and say, is this right? You know? Yeah, definitely, exactly. There's been so, times where we've had names that that were an awesome name, but they didn't fit what the beer was, and it didn't fit the the feeling of the beer. Exactly. Actually, not I, I'm with you guys, man. Say, say that again, I'm sorry? We would actually hold off on releasing a beer for a day or two if we didn't have the proper name for it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I respect that. Um, you know, and that has nothing to do with ABC or TTB. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Mark, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, tell me a little bit about your guys' beers. I see on the website that you have like 36 beers or something, but you have like, I can't tell, is it 10 or 12 on 10 up? Yep, that's correct. So I like to keep roughly 10 on tap, give or take a couple, depending on, depending on where things are at and what's getting low. Um, but one of the things that I love so much about homebrewing that we have brought here is, continually making new things and, and experimenting and trying new things. Um, and experimenting doesn't mean that somebody's going to sacrifice for an experiment gone wrong. The experiment gone wrong goes down the drain. Um, but we take the utmost pride in our quality, but we also want to give our customers new things to try. We want to try new things, and we don't want to remain stagnant in what, we, in what we're putting out. And so... It's, it's really an exciting time to be in the back of the brew house and write a recipe and just create something new. And that's really the embodiment of the brewery. Um, we definitely have favorites that come back, and we keep them on um, more often than not. But I also don't hold myself to making sure that that beer is on 100% of the time, even though it may be a fan favorite. Um, because what our customers have learned about us and what we have seen is that sometimes our customers don't even know that they like a certain beer that's going to come out. And a great example is when we were talking earlier on Instagram and I was sipping on the Hellas, when that came out, a lot of people that came into the brewery did not know what a Hellas was. And since it's been off tap for so long, we've been hearing more and more requests of, hey, when is the Hellas coming back? I really enjoyed that. I want to I have that again. And the, it, there's excitement for the customers when it gets put back on tap because they get to come in and have one of their favorite beers. There's excitement for us to brew it because it hasn't been brewed for a while. Um, and we just like to create and, and have new flavors and, and, and excitement come into the brewery at all times. Um, and one of the reasons that that happens the way it does as well is because I like to brew a spectrum of beers. I'm a huge dark beer drinker. I love dark beers. I also really love yeah. light beers as well. Um, and we fill up everything in between, whether that's a porter or a stout or 
we have a, a rotating wheat at all times, pretty much. That one I consider uh, not necessarily a staple because it's always changing because I'm always putting a different fruit in there. So that one, it's always exciting to see what's going to come out. So that one is pretty consistently on, but it's, it's, we have always a spectrum of beer, and we try to make yeah, just new beers across the board regardless of, of what style it is. Cool. So I'm going to ask you more about the beer, and we're going to get into some other parts, especially uh, about the beer bowl. But uh, you guys want to? I see that you guys also do food. Is that like food trucks? It almost looks like a kitchen, like a traveling. I don't know. What do you guys do for food? There? We do we do food trucks. Um, so we actually on our patio, we built in a little area for food trucks to post up, so that customers don't even have to leave the premises of the brewery, which means that they can carry their beverages out there. Um, state law says you can't, so. We built them something so they can. Um, but we have food cool. trucks every day of the week that we're open, or we have some food vendor every day of the week that we're open because we know that when we go out to breweries, we want to have something to eat when we're sipping on a beer. And it's actually become pretty exciting for the community here because we were the first establishment in this community to actually offer food trucks. And... That in and of itself has caused a lot of customers that maybe wouldn't have come to our establishment, stop in, they'll drink a pint, all of a sudden they realize they are enjoying a certain beer that they're having, they're eating a dish that they might not have been able to get out this far uh, west in the metro. And it's one thing that we definitely try to promote uh, and keep in front of people because there are people in the community that have their favorite food truck, and we will see them when that particular food truck uh, is here. People call us the best restaurant in town because we have the, the best beer list and then a rotating specialty food menu. So it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's good for any brewery. Uh, I remember when I was helping a, 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 a brewery open years ago that I, I won't name, and I was like, you need to do food trucks. And they were uh, they're like, yeah, we're, we're thinking about it, but you know, they're not approved. But, you know, soon, soon thereafter... They got approved in that county, so that was good. I think it's been a major change uh, for the brewing industry. Um, so I'm going to get into another question, but before we do, tell me how big is the brewery, the brew house, uh, you know, in the capacity of barrels and, 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 the, and the square footage as well as the tasting room, and then you guys have a patio. I mean, it sounds like it's just fantastic there. Yeah, so the basically the brewery and the brew house are split, like, 50-50 right down the middle. We're also a little bit smaller than the brewery because there's bathrooms and an office uh, on on the brew hall side, or on the, I'm sorry, the sure. tap room side. Uh, yeah. So the brewery, the brewery is about 1,500 square feet. Um, the remainder is the tap room. And then our porch space, our patio space, is uh, 1,800 square feet as well. So we actually have as much space outside as we do inside. Um, That's nice. The, the brew house itself um, we are a seven-barrel brew house. Uh, we have six fermenters currently. Uh, so at any given time, we have 42-barrel uh, fermenting away. And we have, in our, in our uh, cooler, we run six bright tanks in the cooler itself. And then uh, once a tank gets low, it gets to about two-barrel or 60 gallons. Uh, we rack that off into half-barrel kegs or quarter-barrels. Um, and we have a variety, we have, I think it's like eight tap lines that are dedicated uh, specifically for kegs as well. So we'll rack off, um, pop them on tap, and then fill up another bright from the fermenter. And our brights, uh, we have six brights that serve directly to the tap lines. That's cool. So now, uh, because we probably only have about, you know, 15 minutes left, um, Let's just get into beer. Let's talk about the beers. I mean, we're mentioning it, dancing around, but the reason that you and I are talking today and you're on the show, and thanks again for coming on, but it was because we were on Instagram, and somehow, I don't even remember what it was, but I was, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll cruise the beer community and just give some love and likes and comments and stuff, and somehow through one of the people I was talking about, it popped into yours, and all of a sudden I see a beer bowl, and I see people are drinking beer out of a bowl, and I'm like, what? And then there was a, there was a, a little bit of a conversation. 
on whether, you know, why, you know, so, some people like it, some people don't, is that just gimmicky or whatever. And I'm like, give it to me, I'll drink out of that, right? And I was just commenting, and then you guys reached out, and here we are. So you guys sent over, again, thank you, you sent over one of your beer bowls and a and a, and one of these beautiful crawlers of yours, uh, which is, you know, uh, black and green. I can see the whole top of, you know, the, the water topographical map. But you sent the uh, Telestrator IPA, which is a a uh, six point uh, is it a one a six point one five yeah a, a, yeah ABV um, and um, I, I I don't know what you're drinking right now because hopefully you guys are drinking something because we're not in the studio so we can drink but I'm drinking this right here and it's it's really really good. I love the the hops that we're using in there because it gives us like citrusy, piney notes. And and as you were saying when we were live on Instagram, uh, the bowl really opens up the aromatics. So go ahead and t- tell us about that. Sure. So we were in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, for just a beer trip. Asheville is one of our uh, main sources for inspiration. Uh, we've got we've made some really solid connections there. And did you want to say something more? We're, we already gave the rundown. Did I, did I give you the full rundown? On the, I give the, that was on the Instagram thing. Do you, am you I can give us the a full, full rundown. rundown. Yeah, I want to hear the story because I know that the, that the story about how you guys went to the thing and, and did that. That's, that's a cool yeah, story. Yeah, so yeah, I want to definitely yeah, hear that. Okay. So, yeah, so we're in Asheville. We're doing our thing. Uh, we're down there connecting a little bit with White Labs, which is one of our main yeast providers. Uh, we use multiple different yeast strains, but uh, we wanted to get down there and, you know, get some information straight from the source as well as connect with other yeah. brewers down there. Uh, love love Wally and Labs. Chris White is doing so a lot of good stuff there. Place to be. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're down there, and, you know, we're bringing beers down to some friends, and uh, other breweries are bringing or giving beers to us and yada, 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 and we're back at our uh, Airbnb, and clearly with the amount of beers that we have, we're not going to be able to take everything home. So we're doing as good a job as we can to consume these beers, right? And uh, yeah. from barrel-aged sours to imperial stouts to IPAs, it was just, it was, you know, it was awesome. So we got to the point now where we had some, we were ready to drink some IPAs, and a good friend of mine actually uh, named Dustin from uh, Charlotte, he brought up some IPAs from Heist, and Heist is a you know, solid spot, and uh, just like just north of Charlotte, area. I don't know, I, I don't know exactly where it is, I'm not from there, but just north of Charlotte, and yeah, we put that, it was, it was citriquential, and we poured it into some bowls, and uh, we were just kind of sipping there, drinking it, and I guess let me preface that, before we put it in the bowls, we didn't have clean glassware because we're using the barrel-aged sours. We're using imperial stouts, you know, um, very full beers that would do a number on a glass. Our dishwasher did not work, so we weren't able to run anything through the dishwasher. We didn't want to do an injustice to the beers by serving a dirty glass, so we decided that we're going to pour some, pour some beers in a bowl. Because we were lazy. Because we were lazy, and we just wanted to keep drinking beers. So uh, drinking these beers, and I look over, and I looked at Mark, and I said, Holy cow! <laughs> this is something else here. I, uh, I mean, I'm getting some just mad aroma. Are you guys getting the same thing? And they concurred. They were getting just massive aromatics out of there. It was fun. We're holding onto this bowl. We're getting literally a face full of aroma, and it was, you know, there was something about it. And uh, we thought, wow, this would be kind of funny if we were to serve IPAs and bowls in the tap room. So how can we do this? Like, how can we do this? So we did some research, and we learned that the Nordic people, so the Vikings, uh, used ale bowls during celebrations, and that the word skull literally means bowl. And being that we're from Minnesota, which is hardcore Scandinavian country, we've got the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, one of the big sayings, if you're a Vikings fan, is Skull Vikings. So everybody know, around here knows Skull, but nobody around here knows that Skull means bowl. And the fact that they were used during celebration. So we were like, oh, this is perfect. Not only are we going to be able to serve beer and bowl, but we're going to be able to educate people on what Skull means as well as 
why it is trans, like translatable to the beer world. So the bowl itself, not only does it put emphasis on fresh beer, but the vessel warms beer a little bit more because of its shape. You're more or less holding it with two hands. It's bowed out a little bit. Uh, and then aromatics continue to pop as it warms. Additionally, the surface area allows for more foam, and aroma is in foam. Therefore, you have more aroma. Um, so we didn't want to just be serving IPAs and bowls all the time. So the fact that the Vikings and the Nordics uh, used ale bowls during celebrations, we thought, well, hey, for the first week of an IPA release, we will give consumers the option to choose a glass, or a bowl. The bowl allows you to continue on with the celebration with us. Uh, and worst-case scenario, if you don't want the bowl, at least if you see a bowl, you know that there is an extremely fresh IPA out there, and you should bend yourself over backwards to try to taste that IPA. And how many Yeah, I love that. Saying, I think, I think that's a great story. Drinker, how, yeah, if you're an IPA drinker, how often are you in a brewery when an IPA is just tapped? Or that you know it was just tapped. Not very often. Yeah. So we're getting, when people know that there's a bowl around, they just don't even hesitate, and they just say, give me what's ever in the bowl. And now they've, they're, they're, they're enjoying this experience. Um, they're, they're appreciating this beer a little more. It is a little bit more difficult to enjoy a bowl than a glass, but that deliberate attention needed to consume beer out of a bowl makes it that much more special. Well, I'm telling you, uh, I love the whole thing about necessity as a mother of invention, first of all, and your story, and then finding out, going back. I mean, if you look at history, and we know that uh, it's because of beer we went from hunter-gatherers to uh, to agriculture, and, and basically money and math and everything else, accounting, everything's due to beer. But the long and the short are... Of course, they made bowls. There was no glasses and having things. That 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 came later. Like the bowl yeah. is like the easier thing to make. And but I'm sitting here drinking out of a bowl while we're talking, and uh, it it is something that I you know I can use with one hand. It's better with two. I have to take my time. I can't go running around. Maybe it's better because maybe people won't you know be as careless. But um, I I can see to the aspects which I like about. Um, uh, about beer, that I tell people all the time: don't, don't, don't use a cold glass. Don't, don't use a chilled glass. Use a room temperature glass and let the beer warm up a little bit, even if it's five or ten degrees, because you're going to taste the essence of the beer more. You're going to appreciate and get more out of that beer. And I really get that going on with this bowl. I mean, it's it's warming up, and the aromatics. I mean, as you, I think one of you said, that as I'm. As I'm putting my lips up to open my mouth to drink, then I'm getting more of that aroma flavor profile so I can taste it more. Absolutely. And I think one of the pieces of it as well that, that, that I think you're resonating with is that as a beer judge, you are taught and your, your practice of judging beer requires your absolute focus on, on what you're perceiving whether that's aromatically, yes. flavor-wise, or just sensation-wise. And to Josh's point of the attention that you need to drink out of a bowl, it's sort of in the same vein like you do when you're judging a beer. You have to put your attention into that beer, or, yeah, you might smell a little bit. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, and that's okay. You spill a little bit to the gods or to... <laughs> Yeah. Some past friends, which yeah. we do, but the beer gods need their fair share. I'm sorry. The beer gods need their fair share as well. Yeah, fair share. But but I love. I, I agree. You have to focus on it. I just think it's cool. I love the pictures you guys put up on the. I'm. I, I was in the middle of a post before we got started here because, as you guys know, it's been a little crazy day for me. But it will be going up after this. That I I, I took some pictures where you guys were talking. You know, showing. Like, don't knock it before. Try it, and, and you get, you know, just talking about the smell. But people are just sitting there, and they look so happy drinking out of the bowls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We haven't had somebody say, that was awful. You guys suck. <laughs> it hasn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not, you know, an now, important thing to take home about this is that we're not trying to permanently make bowls an everyday vessel. It's not an everyday vessel. 
it is meant to celebrate and put emphasis on fresh beer, specifically fresh IPAs, and to enjoy it, you know, have fun with it. Hey, listen, I'm having fun with it. I'm really enjoying FIPA, the, the Telestrator that uh, you guys sent out. And, again, thank you for that. But I'm, I'm telling you, what, what, what you don't know is years ago I was with buddies and we were always talking about breakfast beers. Like, we would wake up and just have a, a beer for breakfast. But um, I've never been a really – I mean, I would do it when it's absolutely necessary, just like you guys. I would drink out of a bottle or whatever. But but I remember trying to find tankards or, or vessels to drink from, right? But like, what's here in the morning? What can I drink from? Um, but, man, if I had this bowl, I'd be drinking from this bowl, and I could have done, like, cereal or yogurt or whatever from it, too, you know I mean? Before or after. the limit. Um, yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Mikael, the Beer Ambassador. Sorry for the technical issues. We lost back channel brewing and and myself. Uh, unexpectedly, it was abruptly. I apologize for that. But if you want to check them out, go to backchannelbrewing.com. Uh, you can find them at Back Channel Brewing on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, I want to say thanks to uh, Mark and Josh, or Josh Letty and, and Mark uh, Macarim, uh, for coming on the show. Uh, they're from Spring Park, Minnesota, if you ever get out that way. I'm sure you will enjoy the beer. Uh, they're talking about being able to order them. I don't know if you – I was going to ask about Trevor or anything else that you might be able to get, or you can trade with people uh, from Minnesota to be able to get their beers. But – um, I just want to say uh, it was a pleasure of having them on, and I'm sorry for the technical difficulties to them and also to you guys. Um, but I want to say thank you to Tom Bindewell as well. Uh, Bindewell, he's in the studio acting as an engineer. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you for continuing to support me and and, uh, and tune in every week. I'm going to bring you more good brewery and really cool stories like this in the week come and uh, and look for a, a five-year anniversary happening, do some parties and stuff like that. Uh, so anyways, until next time, you know what I'm saying all the time is I, I look up this bowl and enjoy this beer, drink good beer, eat good food, hang out with good people, and drink more good beer. Until next time, I want to say thanks. Have a great week. Remember, uh, Brews and Bros is going on this weekend at Last Name Brewing in Upland. I'm sure there's a lot of those things going on at your local brewery. Okay? Cheers, my friend.